This is The Kilt and the Cloth by Joshua Bell on his Elder Series Part 1. Hello and welcome to The Kilt and the Cloth. Today we're going to talk a little bit about um, what it means to be a Christian church Disciples of Christ elder. When I was working on my master's in theological studies, my focus was eldership in the Christian church Disciples of Christ. I had this really weird epiphany if I was going to start rewriting the book of what we call the chalice worship for the Christian church. I needed to understand what it meant to be a leader within our congregations, and so I started to work on this idea. And I remember this very clearly, that when we were working on getting elders in our churches, this is the phrase that they would use. Now, all you have to do is stand at the table and say a prayer, and you may be only have to do it once a month. Now, I remember hearing this from the corner of the room as the nominating committee, well, more specifically, the nominating chair, who was sincerely trying to fulfill the vacant slots for elders for the upcoming year. It's the same problem every year that every Christian church faces. We have a slate of for board officers, and in that slate, we need so many deacons and so many elders. And the congregation I was serving at the time, well, they were only about 60 members, and it was everyone on deck if we were going to fill the slots. Now, I remember being in that meeting, I must have made a face of sheer terror because the nominating chair looks at me with true sincerity in response to my facial expression and asks me, well, what else am I supposed to say? I mean, that's the truth, isn't it? What else do we say? In a world where the church today seeks to find relevance, we continue to carry on the relics of our ancestors, even if it means spending more time filling in the slots than asking ourselves what it is we are doing. Now, this is not a criticism as much as it is a critique of the nature of our inability to articulate our purpose and our goals in such a way that truly motivates people into action. Now, I'm fully aware I cannot make any anyone do anything they don't want to do. It just would be nice if every once in a while people would volunteer out of a sense of calling rather than an obligation. I think the scary question we are afraid to ask is, what if we no longer have anyone that steps up that feels called? In the grand scheme of things in the denomination, this is a symptom and not the problem. In the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, we struggle with what we actually do as church. So in my thesis, I challenged the status quo. I looked deeper into what we might call eldership in the denomination. I took a look at the history of the etymology of the word and its role in antiquity. And furthermore, for me, the challenge then becomes how the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, understands this role of elder and ask if the word elder really should be more appropriately the word steward. Now, for some of my minister friends and colleagues in ministry, this is going to feel pedantic, but I feel like it's necessary. If we're to discuss the roles of eldership in the church, we need to make sure that the vernacular is appropriate. For example, the theology of stewardship slash eldership is at risk due to the aspect of attrition and lack of continued conversation. What at stake for me is it's not a semantic argument of how and what an elder is and does. The issue is in the leadership of the nomination, 
especially in the local congregation, and how we stay close to our roots and have the freedom to stretch our understanding at the same time. So let's take a look at the history of elders in early antiquity. Historically, words like diakonia or presbyteros, which are Greek, have always been used repeatedly to make sense of what the Church of Antiquity did after Jesus was crucified. We find that the use of the names of officers such as elders and deacons is a carryover from the 19th and 20th centuries. Now, these names are attempts to describe a leadership role throughout the century of Christianity, especially when the ecclesia, or the Greek word for church or gathering of people during the first century, we needed to have a term to carry out the work and the business of the church. Now, one of the main issues of the 21st century is comparing the roles of elders in antiquity with the roles of elders today. In the 19th and early 20th century, elders and evangelists were ordained in the Christian church and deacons were not. Elders have been historically the leaders of the church, and I would argue that the role of elder needs to be reevaluated. A gentleman by the name of Dr. David Bartlett, he's what we call a distinguished professor emeritus of New, Columbia, of New Testament at Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, writes about ministry as a profession. Now, in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, we say and believe that we are the priesthood of all believers. Now, Dr. Bartlett writes about the roles of professional minister or also clergy. For example, he mentions like Joseph C. Hoff or John B. Cobb, and they argue dominant understandings of the leadership in churches. Now, in our time, there were two forms of leadership that have prevailed in the definition of ministry and the and they are the minister as manager, let me say that again, the minister as manager for the sake of the institution, and the minister as therapist for the sake of the believer. However, one starts to see a shift in the professional model for ministry is an insufficient attention to our sources. The foundational text and experiences of, what, of which church emerges now, one interesting possibility is, is that the term episkopos emerges from the Hellenistic towns and temples, and the term presbyteros comes from the synagogue. Paul uses the first term in his letters to Hellenistic churches, but not the second. The term presbyteros, which we now know as elder, may have its background in Jewish communities. But even Gunther Borkham notes that the term was used for civic leaders, even in Sparta. Dr. Bartlett writes that Pauline churches picked up something of their structure and their titles from the communities in which they lived, but the evidence really to our understanding is uncertain. So truly, to in order to be able to discuss the roles of this phenomenon, I'm going to agree with Dr. Ritva Williams and Dr. Harry Meyer that we need to look at the first century household. Followers of Jesus, referred to as Jesus groups, gathered in houses that functioned as centers of production, maybe even commerce and even religious life. Dr. Dennis Smith talks about how the early church met around the dinner table inside of their homes. 
So in these homes, we start to look at what the roles of the people are. In the first century, the households were patriarchal, and Jesus reorders the household. Church members were challenged to replace the patron-broker-client relations that grow out of vertical stratification of patriarchy with an understanding that there is a sense of mutual support. In the first century, the movement that was created at the death of Jesus spread rapidly through the Roman Empire and beyond. The leaders at meals might have been the ones who were chosen to hold an office, such as an elder. The earliest extant piece of this evidence for liturgical leadership is the Didache, which refers to the phrase bishops and deacons. These house churches suggested there were at least three roles at these feasts. One, appointed officials of the community, you know, those that possessed charismatic authority, and those whose status and privilege was reflected in their roles and patrons. These roles would have been for men and women alike. Unlike the 20th, 20th century, where women were put in a different role, in the early first century, women and men both led the household. There was no distinction between the genders until we see the biblical text of Titus, in which there's a job description of sorts, and using male-dominated language. We also see this in the writings of the Acts of Paul and Thecla. In the idea of Thecla, for example, it's a young woman named Thecla who leaves home and, and her family to follow Paul. And not only does she baptize herself when she's ready to be uh, martyred, she survives this martyrdom and enlightens and creates many others. Women certainly exercise ministries, including the participation in baptism and particularly anointing. Another evidence suggests that women may have held office as presbyters and bishops as well. These men and women were selected to lead because the early Christians recognized and saw gifts in these people. Now, whether it was romanticized like Thecla or not, we do read it in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians 4. We read there were many roles, such as apostles and prophets and teachers and healers and helpers and administrators and speakers in tongues, and the list just goes on forever. Now, it's, it's hard to fathom that there are still congregations within the Christian church, Disciples of Christ, that still do not have women elders. Now, the Church of Antiquity obviously had women as leaders and stewards of churches, and yet, for some reason, there are congregations today that will still not elect women in these types of roles. In the 21st century, the issues of gender, race, sexual orientation, and sociological status still are issues that need to be addressed. Obviously, we have not learned from the Church of Antiquity how to navigate the issue of needing help as long as they fit our terms. It's impossible about talking about the history of church without talking about antiquity. But in this podcast, I'm wanting to talk about specifically the history of elders in the Christian church disciples of Christ. Now, congregations of the Christian church are self-governing in the tradition of congregational polity, which just means that the congregation is the ones that make the decisions they select their own leadership, they own their own property, and manage their own affairs. 
In Disciples' Congregation, the priesthood of all believers finds its expression in worship and Christian service. Typically, lay people who have been elected and sometimes ordained as elders lead within the celebration of the ordinance of communion. Now, it's just a fancy way of saying those that pray over the table. That's just one part of their job. The elders and called pastors are supposed to provide spiritual oversight and care for the members in partnership with one another. One of our founders, Alexander Campbell, who was a tremendous Greek scholar and talked about this idea with the roles of elders, and he uses the word presbyteroi, or bishops or overseers, and episcopoi by stating the primary function of these set-apart leaders. Campbell would later write that in regards to the New Testament church, these leaders are authorized by the congregation to preside over, to instruct, and to edify the community. Dr. Foster, Doug Foster, church history professor at Abilene Christian University, writes, Elders are to feed the church of the Lord with knowledge and understanding and to watch for their souls as those that must give account to the Lord at his appearing. Now, Dr. Foster continues to give a great explanation of how eldership has worked in the Campbellite tradition and states, Evangelists did not serve the congregations directly, but as in the primitive church, as itinerants set out by the gospel, and their job was to make converts and plant churches. Now, for me, it's interesting how much effort was spent writing about eldership slash stewardship and not much about diakonia or what we term uh, deacons. Diakonia is a problem in the 21st century. The word diakonia is a problem because even in the Christian church faith tradition, we have used it and abused this term in such a way that it's male-dominated, and it makes it hard to say the derivative of the word that is used in most congregations. The word deacons is male. In some congregations today, there are still churches that have the names but not the function of our early 20th century churches. One of the, uh, you might hear this term deaconess instead of deacon. This term is used to describe the role of women deacons. At one point in the Christian church disciples of Christ's history, women were not allowed to serve communion to the congregation, but they could prepare it. So the deacons would have been males and the deaconesses would have been female. This was, this way there was no separation of roles like Paul states in Galatians chapter 3. It was a loophole that predominantly male-dominated society used to still put women in the proverbial place. This is why talking about deacons is somewhat troublesome, because it's primarily about male deacons. Deacons, like elders, focused their ministry within a given congregation. They were called by and accountable to the congregation. They served the functions of treasurers, uh, people that took up the uh, offerings, stewards, doorkeepers, and messengers. Now, I would argue that the title of the historical title known as deacons would be more appropriately called servants. In congregations that I've served in the past, the role of deacon is not as clearly defined, and it causes confusion as to our role in within the congregation who is asked, voted, and empowered these people in places of leadership. Historically, someone couldn't just be an elder. They had to meet certain requirements. 
Now, I can't imagine a church in the latter part of the 20th century trying to enforce these requirements, by the way. I mean, it was hard enough getting people just to say the prayer at the communion table. I mean, God forbid we ask people to follow some sort of protocol in serving the congregation. Historically, the requirements for elders combined gifts of teaching and shepherding and overseeing and presiding uh, were beyond the qualifications of any one individual. Now, Carlton Buck is a historical writer for our denomination, and he was one of the leading minds in the 50s and 60s. Now, this matters because the Christian Church Disciples of Christ had not become a denomination until 1968. And so we're, we're, we're trying to figure out what it is that we do, and Carlton starts writing these ideas, and he says, he creates this job description that says he was the one that he, he created this uh, collecting of prayers and meditations for elders. Now, here, here's his description for an elder. The elders in the Christian church are called to a spiritual leadership in the church. He proceeds to write that they're to held, be held in places of honor and trust among fellow Christians. They have an office of elder that carries with it high standards. Scripture says specific responsibility, and whoever accepts this role must be willing to grow spiritually and do the best possible to live up to the high spiritual obligations. Elders, he continues to say, should be resources and consultants in all spiritual matters of the congregation. They should be available to teach, they should help guide those who make a commitment to Christ. They should encourage a deepening of the spiritual life within the congregation, and they are to serve at the Lord's table. And they should be available to take communion to the hospitalized and homebound. They help in the conservation of church members, assist in times of emergency, and be supportive to the church, board, and various committees. They should work closely with the worship department and meet with the deacons and should make recommendations to the church board. Now, I don't know how many of you have heard this, but this is kind of what most congregations have continued to do with elders. The Church of Christ a cappella, for example, broke from the Disciples of Christ for a lot of reasons, but mainly the viewpoints on leadership, especially in regard to eldership. The 20th century saw Stone Campbell movement divided into three separate fellowships, the Independents, the Disciples of Christ, and the Churches of Christ a cappella. All of these churches had different ideas as to what was supposed to happen with an elder and what their roles were in worship. So on my next podcast, I'm going to talk about the elders and stewards' roles in worship. I hope you enjoy this, and this is Josh Bell uh, with The Kilt and the Cloth. Thank you for listening.